Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, 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 hello. What up, what up, what up, what up? This is Zachary Bennett, and you are listening to another edition of the Locked On Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to follow the Locked On Podcast Network on Twitter at Locked On Podcasts. You can find this program on Twitter at Locked On Wolves. My name is Zachary Bennett, as I said. Uh, Zachary BD on Twitter. You probably already knew that. Just as you probably knew, the Wolves suffered a defeat to the New York Knicks again over the weekend, followed up by a thrilling overtime victory over the Charlotte Hornets. And so today on this program, we're going to briefly go into uh, both of those matchups before discussing the improved play of the bench unit, which was a, a big focus at Timberwolves practice today over at Mayo Clinic Square. After that, we'll we'll get into a little bit about the Wolves' performance and transition this season. Uh, by then, it'll be a little late in the program. I'll wrap it up and we'll get out of here. So let's begin. The Wolves lost to the New York Knicks again. The Knicks again without Joaquin Noah uh, and this time without Courtney Lee, who did play in their first matchup. The Wolves end up losing 118 to 114 despite a spirited performance in the fourth quarter in which they outscored the Knicks 26 to 20. The lineup that Managed to get the Wolves back in the game. Uh, Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, Shabazz Muhammad, Nemanja Bialica, and Cole Aldrich outscored the Knicks 29-19 in 10 minutes on the floor. Again, a huge reason why the Wolves were in the game at the end. The bench, That bench unit ended up tying the game up at the 8-minute mark after an alley-oop from, from Zach Levine to Shabazz Muhammad. But things so, slowly started to deteriorate. Uh, the Wolves with the starters on the floor making a run to get back in the game, down 109 to 104, come up with a stop at the defensive end, which is has been rare in, in crunch time situations this season. So they, they come up with a stop. They head the other way in transition. Zach Levine gets the ball on the right side, the right wing, and he overthrows Andrew Wiggins on an alley-oop attempt that would have brought the score to 109-106. And, you know, if, if that play goes the Wolves' way, we, we could be talking about a different outcome. But ultimately, the Wolves in the in the last five minutes of the game were outscored by the Knicks 13-10. to Carl Anthony Towns missed all four of his shot attempts during that stretch. Uh, Nemanja Bialica was the, the lone bright spot, the, the only player to finish with a positive plus-minus during the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, hitting uh, two of three of his field goal attempts, including two three-pointers. Uh, I thought the you know you're going to hear it from the players themselves, some of them anyway. Uh, the with the, with the improved play of the bench unit, if if that is something that can continue the way, uh, if they can continue to perform the way they performed in a loss to the Knicks and in a victory over Charlotte, that would be a huge thing for the Wolves at this juncture of the season. Is it too little, too late? I don't know. The Wolves are six and fourteen. They're thirteenth in the Western Conference. They are even. 
let me see. Let me do math is hard. Uh, yeah, they're a five and a half games out of the eighth spot. So not impossible, but the schedule is only going to get more difficult. And I'll touch on that in a minute. The, the, the thing Wolves fans should relish in the overtime victory over Charlotte was most certainly exciting. Although perhaps a lot of you turned off the television late in the game. The Wolves were down seven, less than a minute to play. Uh, Mike Bowie, who who does a lot of data visualization and uh, fancy statistics over at his uh, website, stats.inpredictable.com, had the Wolves' win probability at uh, two-tenths of a percent. Very, very low. Uh, when Alan Horton, Wolves Radio on Twitter, pointed that out, Carl Anthony Towns saw it and said he liked those odds, so maybe it's it's how the Wolves drew it up, but the uh, the end of the game, the the final minute was ever so exciting. Uh, I'm sure many of you saw it, but I'll give you the brief synopsis uh, all the while. With 50 seconds left to play, Towns blocks a Frank Comiskey three-point attempt. Play results in a shot clock violation for Charlotte. Uh, Wolves end up getting the ball on the ensuing possession. Zach Levine catches a catches a pass on the the left wing, hesitates. Performs two dribbles, knocks down a three-pointer that brought the deficit to four. Uh, on the ensuing inbound pass, Nick Batum catches it. Zach Levine fouls him to in an attempt to get the Wolves in the in the bonus so they can begin the foul game, the dreaded foul game, as many many will see it. And that put that put the Hornets in a in a difficult predicament. They're still on their own side of the court. They have to throw it in from the sideline, the the one quarter court mark. Uh, on their own end of the floor. So Batum throws the inbound pass to his left towards Charlotte's basket where Kemba Walker picks it up. He tries to go left underneath his own hoop around Ricky Rubio. Rubio makes, you know, whether he was in position or not is a moot point. It was very close. Did he have his feet set? I don't think so. It could have been a foul, but Kemba Walker on the replay, everybody saw that he stepped out of bounds. So before Kemba Walker made contact with Ricky Rubio, very likely would have ended up in a defensive foul. He steps out of bounds, and the Wolves come up with the ball. Andrew Wiggins, underneath the Hornets basket, then throws it in to Carl Anthony Towns on the near corner of your television screen. Towns make a move. Towns makes a move. He, he cuts towards the basket. He, he throws it to his right where Gorgie Zhang catches it, standing in the middle of the painted area. He reverse pivots and throws it to Ricky Rubio, of all people, in the Far corner, if if you're watching from your television screen, who uh, shockingly buried a three-pointer that made the score 104-103, put the Wolves within one. Charlotte called a timeout after that, came up with a play for Kemba Walker, a high screen and roll on the left side. Kemba amazingly splits two defenders, drives down the left side of the lane, and, and makes a floater in the from inside the painted area to, to put the Hornets ahead by three again. And then Andrew Wiggins brings it up court, no timeout, to his uh, to the left side of the floor and knocks down a, a clutch three-pointer. Yeah, good times. Uh, there was eight-point seconds remaining. Charlotte had a chance to win. Kemba Walker, as we saw him do in college, he gets to that right elbow, a place where he's hit plenty of game winners before. I don't have that exact number. Oh, well, you'll just have to take my word for it. He creates enough space, I thought, got the shot off, but 
decent enough defense from Ricky Rubio. Kemba Walker ends up airballing the game-winning shot attempt, and the game goes to overtime. Let's, uh, before we get into the overtime, let's hear what Andrew Wiggins had to say about his team's performance in the fourth quarter, as well as that game-tying shot today at practice. It's huge. No, we were down in crunch time in the fourth, down like seven with like a minute left, and, you know, we made it happen. You know, we had big shots and made big plays, trusted in each other, and we pulled out the win. Take us through the three that you hit the tight. I mean, was there any doubt that that was going in? Uh, I thought it was going in. You know, that's why I shot it. You know, I was just playing when he gave me. He kind of backed up a little bit, and I felt like I had space. It was kind of a little bit deeper than the three-point line, but I was confident in my shot. That's what I shot at practice. Soft-spoken, as always, off the court, the cold-blooded killer Andrew Wiggins sends the game to overtime where the Wolves outscore the Hornets 19-14 behind uh, eight points from Carl Anthony Towns, who shot three or four from the field, made both his free throws, and the Wolves go on to win and an exciting emotional emotional time for them. The victory snaps a four-game losing squid, skid bleh, in which the Wolves suffered the losses to the Golden State Warriors, Utah Jazz, and then two to the New York Knicks. Uh, before beating Charlotte in overtime. Like I said earlier, it does not get any easier as far as the Wolves' schedule is concerned. They host the San Antonio Spurs tomorrow, Tuesday, at Target Center. Uh, the Toronto then uh, on Thursday. They will venture uh, over the northern border and take on the Toronto Raptors. A, a very, uh, a very, a Toronto's, bleh, I can't, I can't talk today, shocker. Uh, the Toronto Raptors have won six in a row. I was I was about to say a blistering hot Toronto Raptors team. They've won six in a row. They are doing very well. Just as the uh, Detroit Pistons are playing well of late, Detroit is uh, winners in five of their last six contests. Uh, make that yeah five of their five of their last seven contests. Excuse me. Uh, they of course, as I say this, they suffered a loss to the Orlando Magic last night, ninety eight to ninety two. But prior to that. Uh, they defeated the Atlanta Hawks on the road, 121-85. And that Hawks team had everybody. There's no uh, variables there that would make, uh, you know, that made the score what it was. Dwight Howard was held to two points. I mean, just just a very impressive performance from the, the Detroit Pistons. Uh, prior to that, the Pistons defeated the Boston Celtics in Boston, 121-114. to 114. Before that, it was a victory over the Charlotte Hornets, 112-89. So, so Detroit... Yeah, you know, arguably the the worst opponent the Wolves face over the next four games is uh, is no slouch. After Detroit, the Wolves get the Golden State Warriors at home. So uh, a critical stretch for the Wolves coming up over these next four games, in which that they could play they could play really well in every one of those games and maybe only win one, if any. So um, onto the the bench unit, lot lots of uh, compliments going going towards the bench unit today. A lot of words spoken about them. Uh, the Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, Shabazz Muhammad, Nimanya Bialitsa, and Cole Aldridge lineup over the last two games has uh, outscored opponents 55 to 42 uh, on the season. They've outscored opponents 112 to 99 uh, over a span of nine games in a total of 48 minutes. Uh, it's still a relatively small sample because comparatively the starters have played 290 minutes. So quite. Uh, quite the workload for the starters while the bench you know, plays sparingly, but it is important that the Wolves get production from their bench, especially when you consider that last week, the Wolves got five bench points in a loss at home to 
the New York Knicks. As I mentioned before, a lot of talk at practice today about the performance of the bench unit. Uh, But before that, let me tell you about SeatGeek. Because the NBA season is back and the Wolves are at home tomorrow, you might want to score yourself some tickets. Uh, The SeatGeek app is by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can go anywhere and just with a few taps, I can instantly find seats for the weekend or any game this season. The uh, SeatGeek app will offer you the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek compares all of the ticket prices from all of the different websites, aggregates them into one easy-to-find database, not database, uh, easy-to-find interface and uh, helps give you the most bang for your buck. Every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on its value, so they simplify it for you that way as well. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek, it's backed by their 100% guarantee. Best of all, listeners to the Locked On Timberwolves podcast get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. So, in order to get that $20 rebate, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. The promo code, L-O-Wolves, that's L-O-Wolves, will, uh, will after, you've made your first per- after you've made your first purchase, after entering the promo code, SeatGeek will give you $20, and there you go. I mean, you can see a lot of, uh, I'm sure you can see the Wolves game from the upper level for less than 20 bucks. You could basically get your money back off a, a single game ticket there, or you can use it to get yourself a discount off some seats in the uh, in the section with all the beautiful people. Wherever you want to sit, whatever game you want to go to, Seat Geek is your place to go. Okay, like I said, bench unit. Let's hear what Cole Aldridge had to say about it at practice. I think just moving a ball. Um, you know, watching the film, we're just moving it unselfishly. You know, whoever's open, shoot it, and you know, we're getting stops defensively. Well, is it just kind of a product of time and playing together? Or is that just AP John Krasinski, the great one with the question? Yeah, you know, it takes time to kind of get acclimated to you know each other's playing style, and you know, we're a little over a month in now, and you know, it's starting to come around. Yeah, the Wolves have had the the one of the worst bench units in basketball. Although I am quick to remind people that. Uh, we have to view it within the realm of this is Tom Thibodeau. We're talking about a guy who hasn't played his, his bench unit very often this season. Speaking of Tom Thibodeau, here's what he had to say at practice earlier today in regards to the aforementioned bench unit as well as Cole Aldridge specifically. Well, this, you know, I think that that group is playing very well together. He's given us the shot blocking at the rim. Uh, he's an excellent screener. And the ball is moving very quickly with that group. And I think Chris has given us the push up the floor and getting us penetration in the pick and roll. And then, uh, you know, of course, Belly making shots and Boss starting to make shots uh, is opening up the floor. That taking a bunch of more stress off the starters then if you're able yeah, to and, and Yeah, and with Zach plays with that group as yeah. well. So I think that group is, you know, they we started slowly. They came in, played very well. Uh, third quarter, same thing. We, we didn't start off uh, very well. And then when the bench came in, they played uh, exceptionally well. So some some praise for his second unit, in addition to Zach Levine uh, from head coach Tom Thibodeau. I often have reminded people, both on this Locked On Wolves podcast as well as the Wolves Wired podcast, part of the Cool Omaha Podcast Network, uh, that 
it's important, although we say bench unit, second unit, it's a very common lingo that people tend to throw around. Oftentimes, one or two members of the starting unit will go out there with those bench guys. In this case, in recent or in, in these recent cases, in these last two games, Zach Levine has been that guy. It's yeah, it's it's good to see the second unit if you're a Wolves fan pulling through with some production, some semblance of production because uh, they're not often doing that. And so with this unit specifically, I mean, you have Shabazz Muhammad, you have Zach Levine, uh, you have Nemanja Bjelica, Nemanja Bjelica, I'm sorry, uh, you have Cole Aldrich, and so Chris Dunn still figuring out his uh, his niche in the league. So you have uh, two what I like to call chuckers, and not in a negative connotation. Shabazz Muhammad and Zach Levine are guys who tend to be shoot first players. Levine has a, a you know a handful of experience playing the point guard, which I will uh, I will suggest that it it did help him learn the game and understand the game a little better. His time at point guard, although overall it was definitely a hindrance to the Wolves when he was used that way. But anyway, when you have guys like Nimanyubi Yalitza and Chris Dunn who who want to move the ball, Cole Aldrich too, a guy who sets awesome screens, powerful screens, and has a willingness to move the ball as well. It's a it's a good combo of two chuckers and, and three players who are willing to, to do what they need to do to get the job done. Where the problem is if if all of them tend to be you know in with with Bielitsa and Muhammad and Levine, it's it's very important that they keep the ball moving. But sometimes with shooters, in the case of those guys, it could be the first pass, and if they have enough room and enough space to get a shot up, they'll shoot it. And I think that's what we've seen so far this season. So uh, being aware, making a conscious effort to move the ball will be key to that second unit's success going forward. Uh, tomorrow's opponent, the San Antonio Spurs, you know, sixteen and four, second in the Western Conference, first in the Southwest Division, uh, coached by Greg Popovich. You know the machine that keeps on moving. Who knows? Uh, you know, they're, I mean, if you look look at their, oh man, if date they have they've lost one game dating back to November tenth, uh, a game against the Orlando Magic in which they lost ninety five to eighty three. So. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. They've won eleven of their past twelve. They're coming in hot. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, they will be playing on the tail end of a back-to-back as they play the Milwaukee Bucks tonight over in Milwaukee. Short trip over to the Twin Cities, and they'll be ready to go Tuesday. It'll be interesting to see who Popovich deploys tonight against Milwaukee. How. How many minutes will he issue Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili, guys at the tail end of their careers who don't often uh, play the second end of back-to-backs or don't play very much in the second end of back-to-backs? In the case that Tony Parker gets a starter's workload tonight, goes uh, balls to the wall, uh, there are no restrictions or anything like that. If it's a close game and he's required to play that often or that that much, you're going to see a lot of Patty Mills tomorrow if you're if you're the Wolves. So keep an eye on that. I'll definitely have a, a pod up after shoot-around tomorrow. We'll know a little bit more about what the Spurs will do from a lineup sense. Uh, we can deduce as much from what we see tonight from their performance in Milwaukee. So uh, without, uh, yeah, that's uh, 
Oh, I wanted to talk about transition just quickly. Uh, the Wolves are still the worst defensive team in transition scenarios based on points per possession. It's uh, they're allowing 1.22 points per possession. That's the last. Uh, that's the that's the highest mark of any team in the league. Opponents are scoring on 56.7 uh, possess- possessions in transition. It's not great. I'm still working on something. It's a post for coldomaha.com. At the end of the game, though, if you because it's very, it should be very uh, vivid in your memory. You notice the Wolves ran a lot of one-four uh, screen and rolls with Rubio and Towns. So the one-four screen and rolls that they like to run, they have Wiggins and Levine in uh, opposite corners. They have Gorgie Jang at a what's known as the hammer or the nail. It's a it's a spot just outside the paint, beneath the basket. It's the dunk spot. Some refer to it as right along the baseline. And so all four players are basically parallel with the baseline. They could they could spit on it. They could reach over and touch it. They're they're very close. Towns will go up from the opposite nail. Gorgie Jang is at. Set a screen for Rubio. Rubio will penetrate the lane and either, you know, very rarely will he make a layup attempt, but it does happen. Or he'll throw one of those behind-the-back passes back to Towns, or he'll get deep enough to where he's basically under the basket and throw it back to Towns at the free-throw line. Towns is a very effective scorer in those situations. Last year he, he did a lot of what, uh, what I like to call the Tim, ju- Tim Duncan jumper, uh, the elbow jumper, elbow extended. Uh, this year he's he's getting the ball near that free-throw line area, and he's going straight to the basket. He's attacking the hole, and... Despite being uh, as tall as he is, he's athletic enough to finish at the rim. And it's a very effective play. But where things tend to go awry is if, A, Rubio turns the ball over on that pass or the pass is deflected into the backcourt, or B, Towns misses and the opponent comes up with a defensive rebound. Why that's, uh, that's bad is because... As I mentioned before, you have everybody basically on the baseline, and then thereafter, after Rubio's gone around the town screen, he's basically on the baseline. So you have Wiggins and Levine in both corners. You have Gorgie Jang at the at the hammer or the nail, basically underneath the basket, and then Rubio's basically underneath the basket. So Towns, the guy with the ball making the shot attempt, whether he's shooting it from the free throw line or he's taking it to the rim— is your last line of defense in the case of a defensive rebound. Now, when Towns goes to the rim and if he misses a layup, if Levine and Wiggins don't come up, if they don't rotate up towards the top of the key or start running back on to, to set up on the defensive end, there's nobody there. There's nobody there to defend the opponent in transition. So is there a correlation between those plays and why the Wolves rank the worst in the NBA in terms of points per possession in transition opportunities? Probably. How significant is that correlation? I don't know. I've, I've certainly been looking at it. But it's plays like those where the floor balance is, is off. You have too many players near the baseline, under the opponent's hoop, or crashing the boards for offensive rebounds that lead to easy baskets in transition. And I know Jim Pete talked a little bit about it in the, in the Charlotte broadcast. So you can look for a post on coldomaha.com either tonight or tomorrow highlighting that. And... I'll I'll probably touch on the Wolves' offensive transition game too. They do generate a good amount of turnovers, and they're o- they're okay at uh, at converting in transition when they create those turnovers at a rate of fifty one percent, which is not great. But 
they tend to turn the ball over in those transition opportunities, 18.8%, nearly 20% of uh, – they, they turn the ball over nearly 20% of the time in offensive transition possession. So I'll probably touch a little bit on that too. Aside from that, the half-court offense, it's great. Scoring uh, 0.92 points per possession, 12th best mark in the league. Uh, the uh, the offense is, has not been the problem. It's been the defense, which makes this season – Somewhat bizarre in the sense that everybody expected the defense to take uh, a step forward under the instruction of Tom Thibodeau. That's all for today. I've touched on everything I need to touch on. Hopefully I've caught you up on what was a a compelling weekend in Wolvesville, in Timberwolves basketball. So I hope uh, hope you enjoyed your weekend. I hope uh, hope you enjoy your your Monday. Don't don't get stuck with a... Yeah... That was going to be lame, so I'm glad I didn't say it. Anyway, my name is Zachary Bennett. You can find me on Twitter at ZacharyBD. Be sure to follow Locked On Wolves on Twitter at Locked On Wolves, as well as the Locked On Podcast Network at Locked On Podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow in preparation for the Wolves' home matchup against the San Antonio Spurs. Until then, bye bye You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.